Hey, hey, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Madonna Get Together podcast. Before we get started, let's do a quick Madonna recap. And I promise I'll hurry up. I know you just can't wait. Gotta get going because we can't be late. So, uh, while Madonna still had pink hair, she went on a trip to Malawi with some of her children. She visited David's hometown, celebrated his birthday, got dick slapped in the face with an elephant trunk. And then when she returned, she's now back to blonde. And she's back working on the movie. We saw some post-its of an outline of what will probably be the storyboard. And we saw that one post-it where it said, she did coke with Debbie in the bathroom. I cannot wait to see what this movie is in store for us. I think we're in for a treat. Um, She's back in the editing room working on the Madam X concert film. And hopefully we will get that by the end of 2021. Um, her daughter Lourdes joined Instagram and roasted the fuck out of Madonna fans. So uh, don't fuck with Lola or you'll get fucked over. And if she hears this, she's probably going to have this podcast removed. But yeah, if you're a fan of Madonna, be a fan of Madonna. If you want to be a fan of her daughters, be a fan of her daughters. You can be a fan of both, but don't be a fan of Lola just because you're a fan of Madonna. And that's probably what she was probably getting at um, by telling everyone to go suck a dick. And finally, Madonna's hanging out with Rosie O'Donnell again. So good times are here for 2021. I'm living for it. I'm here for it. I'm living for love. Someone had asked me for my previous episode... Hey, why didn't you mention Madonna performing Holiday on American Bandstand? Where Dick Clark asks her, famously, What's next for you? And she says, Mmm, to rule the world. Um, Yeah, I forgot to mention it on the last episode because, as you know, and as I have said to some of you, the last episode was definitely one of the all-time worst. Uh... I tagged on to the end of that episode that I don't like doing these alone. The whole purpose is that I get to talk to other fans and get to geek out about Madonna. So, if you're interested, please DM me and we can talk about a Madonna project. We can talk about anything Madonna that you want. DM me. I'm here. For today's episode, live out your fantasy here with me. And let's get into the groove as we talk about the Virgin Era with my guest co-host, River. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to the Madonna Get Together podcast. I'm really excited to have my guest co-host today, another super madonna fan river welcome river thank you thank you it's great to be here um if you would just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself you know um, where you're from uh, how you got into madonna and things like that sure well i grew up um on the west side of saint paul minnesota um and i became a madonna fan uh, my actually my mom and madonna are roughly there were six my mom's no one with us so i say in the past tense but she they're about six months apart. So, um, and my mom was actually fairly, she was a single mom. So she was into the club scene in Minneapolis back in the day. Um, oh, yeah. and you have to keep in mind also, 
I'm from the Principality, so that's where Prince is from. So, yes. Um, that's what we refer to it, where I'm from, is the Principality. So, um, and I grew up in that that era where, you know, my hometown hero was on the radio, you know. So, um, yeah, really, uh, I got into Madonna actually through my mother because, like I said, she was into the club scene. She'd go out to the club dancing um, a lot with her friends. And um, the first time I heard Madonna, I didn't even actually see the album cover, but I, I heard the first album, uh, a couple songs off of it, and I hadn't actually seen Madonna of what she looked like until um, I saw Lucky Star, the video on MTV. And that's how I became a Madonna fan. I fell instantly in love with her. And um, yeah, and ever since then, I've been been a, a total Madonna nerd throughout the years. And it's almost been, what, 40 years almost? Yeah, that's incredible. Um, so let's talk about the woman of the hour, uh, Madonna. The woman of my dreams, your dreams, everybody's <laughs> dreams. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Like a Virgin album, which came out yes. in 1984, in November of 1984. Um, yes. And so at this point, before this record came out, she had spent approximately like two years promoting her first album from, mm-hmm. you know, doing club performances, TV yeah, performances, and the mm-hmm. videos started coming out. Um, and I think at this point in time she was ready to put out some new music and and, mm-hmm. and new art and new videos oh um, yeah you know she doesn't sit still and and yeah i'm sure she was just itching to get you know new material going and right you know. yeah because there was some interviews with her where um the, the album kept getting pushed back mm-hmm. because and the reason for that is because singles from her first album were still successful yeah um, they were still getting a lot of radio airplay they were still playing the videos a lot on mtv um and also at this point in time mtv is is pretty brand new shiny and new oh, if yeah. you will in its infancy yes yeah. it was definitely in its infancy then um and, and you know you and i are the same age so we remember what it was like when you know, before they, when it was just MTV music television, before they had, you know, uh, game shows and, and things like that on yep. there uh, and reality shows. I mean, to explain it, this is how I explain it to my younger generation is just what MTV was. It was as if, you know, how you turn on the radio and you listen to the radio and you hear the music, then they cut the commercials, you know, you know, they, they pay some bills, DJs talking, they do some news and they go back to it. That's the same thing they do with MTV, but it was a visual. Right. You know, it was it was a visual uh, form of the radio instead of you know just turning on the radio. You could actually see the artists performing. Mm-hmm. You knew what they looked like. You knew what type of image that they were you know that they were um, going with, or you know. So it kind of made it more um, tangible. You know, you could look at let's say you see Madonna on the video, you know what she looks like now, and you can put two and two together with her music instead of just using your imagination like when you're just listening to the radio. So It was a shift in the industry. So it was. You know, people were so used to it just hearing people on the radio, right, yep. or, or you know, um, going out on tour and seeing them that way. This was uh, a way to make uh, music artists 
more um, more accessible. Exactly. And I think what Anna said in one of her early interviews, um, it might have been at the New Music Seminar where she was talking about, you you know, I can reach people. We can reach people in parts of the country or in the world where, A, they didn't, we're never going to, they're never going to see me live because they live in such a small town or, you know, they're not going to be able to afford to come to the show. So that way we can reach them, you know. Um, and I think she's probably one of the, the first the first artists um, at that time to really embrace MTV um, and use it to its full potential for its marketing abilities and, you know, and, and just reaching the mainstream audience and reaching people in small niches, you know, of the world where they're not going to be able to you know, get out and see a concert or, you know. Yeah. I think it was very serendipitous of the time. Mm-hmm. Like Madonna was made for MTV or, you know, as we all know, vice versa, MTV was <laughs> right. for Madonna. Like it, it, it really um, symbolizes um, the way that Madonna embraced MTV and, and putting out videos and having a, a visual um, because she didn't want it to just be about the music. There, there was a whole package there. It was about the dancing. Mm-hmm. It was about mm-hmm. you know just. To see her, was, seeing, yeah. yeah, and when she was when she was doing her kind of club circuit, she put together shows like she put together choreography mm-hmm. and blocking on the stage. Um, mm-hmm. Had costume, whatever she mm-hmm. was able to do. Sometimes she had like a chair or something when yep. she was um, performing. So I think. Mm-hmm she was so ready to embrace this change in the, the visual part of it could not have happened at a more perfect time for her. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And going back to music seminar, I find it ironic because she started, um, it was, it was John Hall or, or John Oates, I mean, John Oates, sorry. Where <laughs> she was, he was saying like, yeah, when I, when I grew up, I saw people playing guitar and I always wanted to be a rock star, not an actor. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. she has that, that perfect she response. Place. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, uh, you're doing the same thing when you perform all right. that's when, different you know, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. kind of, uh-huh. she, he, she shut him up. And not only that, Hall and Oates made video, music videos. <laughs> I know. That's what I was going to say. the ironic <laughs> thing. Uh, you know, and I was just, I was actually just watching that not too long ago, that little snippet that they'd had from the, uh, from the seminar, you know, and she was saying, you know, how I feel like I have a part to contribute because, you know, I'm, we're able to reach the mainstream audience, you know, uh, with videos and and put a visual to the music. Uh, But yeah, I agree with you. She held her own she showed everybody there that she wasn't just some dumb girl from Michigan. You know, she actually has a brain between her ears. You know, she's intelligent. She's charming. Um, and I think just the guys were just blowing her off. Like, oh, who's this, you know, who's this chick think she is? And, and when John Oates was whining about not wanting to be an actor, he just wanted to be a musician, you know, and my first thought, my reaction is, well, why don't you just stay a studio musician then if you didn't want to perform? You know what I mean? Right. If you don't want to be on stage or if you don't want to be quote unquote acting or an actor, then be a fucking studio musician. You know what I mean? Stay home. Stay in the studio. Nobody will see you. You'll get your credit on, you know, on the LP. No problem. You know, come on. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you don't want to be a performer, be a studio musician. Exactly. And hey, I mean, it, I think being part of that panel also helped her um, because she was seen as someone that was embracing the change mm-hmm. that was happening in the music scene. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she was so, um, everyone else in the industry was, was kind of going with that trend. And mm-hmm. for Madonna, I think she was more of um, creating that trend versus mm-hmm. just following along kind of like what yeah. Holland Oates ended up having to do. Um, if you want, <laughs> want listeners, you, you got to jump on this MTV thing because people are of watching. Course, because you're reaching a broader, broader audience. You know, um, like she was saying in the, on that panel, you know, TV, you know, kids are attached to the TV nowadays, you know, and, and what better way to reach them than, you know, to make a video and perform, you know, your project to that audience. I mean, they can see, they can see the whole visual, they get the whole package, you know, song and video combined. Um, and, and, you know, and yeah, um, it just, it really worked. And not only did it, I mean, it worked for her, but we all know that it worked for Prince and Michael Jackson too. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and, and I, if I, memory serves me right, I mean, Madonna and Michael Jackson were the artists that spent the most money on making their videos. Yeah. You know, I mean, they spent millions of dollars um, to make a video. So, I mean, to them, that was their promotion as well, you know. And we know that Madonna's always been a self-promoter. I mean, she really didn't have a choice in the beginning. I mean, Warner Brothers really didn't put any money, you know, up to promote her. She did all that herself, all the legwork. I mean, I couldn't be more proud of anybody. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, Because she was a female artist. You know, and she was kind of like, you know, in the early, in, in her early, early career. And she, there wasn't that many female artists like that. They're, they're all men. Yeah. You know, um, they were in a band. I mean, you had some female artists that were in a band, like Pretenders, you know, Blondie. Um, but you didn't have a female solo artist um, out there like that. So she did a lot of the legwork herself. God bless her. Because, you know, I can't imagine... The, the type of thick skin that you have to have to deal with, uh, you know, a misogynistic, chauvinistic, you know, male um, dominance um, in the industry. So I, I can't imagine. But yeah, they really didn't put a lot of money into her, you know, promoting her at all. Until later, of course. But exactly. Once they saw established, making that money. They could. <laughs> kind of analyze and, and figure out and start right. putting money into it. Um, but that seminar was where she did kind of one of her first interviews about the new album. She uh, did. She talked about, um, yeah, she, uh, I think the seminar was held in August of 84. She just came back from Venice like two weeks before that, after filming the video for uh, Like a Virgin. And um yeah, and she was just already talking about going on tour, and I think she said what uh, in that interview that the album was going to be released in October. Yep. But it ended up in, it ended up being released in November. So yeah, a lot of things like we were discussing earlier, a lot of things got pushed back because of you know um, borderline yep. and lucky start and holiday still being you know hot in the charts, and they kind of wanted to capitalize you know on that before they said okay, well now you can release a new album and 
in the material, you know. Yeah, and I think um, the recording of the album happened in the spring of that year. So this by this point, the album's already recorded. And, you know, she's just, you can see in other interviews too, she's just like, I, I want to put this stuff out. I'm ready for it to come out. <laughs> she was just itching to get yeah. it out. Yeah, I think uh, I read somewhere that the, the album was recorded between April and September mm-hmm. of 84. So, yeah. And At, um, uh, the Power Station studio. Yep. Where Chic pretty mm-hmm. much recorded mm-hmm. their album. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much like, you know, most of the musicians, the studio musicians were like Sheik guys. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, and that's um, and that's one of the things she said. She said um, yeah. she loved with Niall Rogers and everything. Um, Sheik, she used a lot of the studio musicians mm-hmm. from Sheik to yeah. help record yeah, this album. A lot of the, uh, and yeah, this, a lot of the members in the band. And this um, interview is also where she revealed the title of the album. Um, yes. For like a virgin, yes. and she gave that uh-huh. that kind of like no comment goofy, from the peanut gallery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> laugh or I know, right? <laughs> I said, we all know you're not a virgin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about the album itself. Um, yeah. The cover of the album was shot by Stephen Mizell, who we later know more know because of the sex book. Mary Pohl had designed the boy toy belt. Mm-hmm. And um, Jerry Hyden mm-hmm. did the artwork uh, for the album, mm-hmm. putting together the, the right fonts and mm-hmm. choosing the pictures. And I always bring up Jerry Hyden any chance I can because I think, um, to me, she's synonymous with kind of like Madonna's package. Oh, yeah. So, I love kind of like the artworks, the single artworks. Um, and Jerry Hyden pretty much did that from Like a Virgin through Immaculate Collection. So, and those are the, those single covers, the font choices, the formatting of, of how everything was done, I think was done perfectly. And I got to give props to Jerry for that. Yes. Props to Jerry for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and I actually have my, now that we mentioned the album, I'm actually holding my copy of uh, Like a Virgin. Is this the promo one that you, you sent me a picture of? Well, this is the actual album. I do have oh, okay. the promo. Yeah, I do actually have the, um, the Like a Virgin US 12-inch promo where it has her sitting on the bed and it's got the blood red um, yeah. styling around it. Um, how ironic. we've got her looking like she just had a toss in the hay and there's a red you know (laughs) there's a red uh, whatever blood red around her Hmm. like a virgin indeed the very first time that's what happens Uh, (laughs) but it's actually one of my favorites because you know not a lot of people have this in their collection Um, Mm -hmm. and other than the fact that it's you know um I mean, it's basically the same. It's the extended dance remix of Jardine. Same thing that, you know, that you have on the actual 12-inch, you know, with her in, the, in Venice in the green season top. Yeah. About 12, yeah, it's the exact same thing, except this is the promo, so they packaged it a little bit. But, yeah, it's the same thing. And I, I like it because it's unique, and um, not everybody has it in their collection, so I was kind of lucky to get that one. The album opens up with a material girl. And I think I was reading somewhere Niall Rogers was saying he didn't that she wanted to 
open up with Material Girl, so and he didn't on the album, so I remember that. I think I'm gonna side with Nile Rodgers on that one. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure I like it as the opening track. It just, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think any other song on the album. I'm thinking "Dress You Up" because it's it's right off. You know, as soon as that first note hits, it's it's on. Yeah, "Dress You Up" does open the second side of the vinyl or the cassette. So we do get it sort of as an opener. Um. If you know, yeah, I mean, if you have the album on cassette, if you're just listening to, you know, uh, Spotify or something like that, you know, it's not the same. It's not the same thrill, but yes, you know, I wanted to bring that up because the streaming service, I don't know who's in charge of doing this, but the streaming services are putting alternate versions of songs for. Um, I'm sure it's happening to I'm sure it's happening to other artists besides Madonna, but for the Like a Virgin album, if you're listening to it on a streaming service, Dress You Up is the f- formal 12 inch version. It's mm-hmm. not the album version, yeah, and yeah. there's actually nowhere to get the album version um, because the only other um, version of the song that's out on streaming services is from uh, Celebration, mm-hmm. which we all know celebration is a shit show yeah. <laughs> um, and they cut off like the first three beats right. of dress you up yeah so it just hits that it just does that it's like it's dun, already started dun, dun, right dun, dun, dun. It, yeah it doesn't just start with this it, it's like, like, it's like that? i don't know you know and i'm wondering if maybe that isn't something to do with copyright uh, ownership things mm-hmm. like that it may very well be and that's probably why they've gone with uh, different versions of the single. That's that could only be my guess. Well, I wanted to ask you if there's any track or tracks that stand out to you mm-hmm. uh, that you might want to talk about, or if you have a favorite track on the album. You know, I'm I'm a fan of the whole album, but what stood out for me when I was younger and even now um, is track four, over and over. I think it's such a positive message. Um, you know, about not just about ambition, but about, you know, being true to yourself and, you know, don't just stay in the ground, get up and do it over and over again. So that, that was really yeah. um, inspirational for me. And even to this day, it's inspirational. Sometimes I feel like, and especially with this year, everything that we've all been through, um, mm-hmm. I just think that, that that's a timeless track. And that's, um, that's probably one of my favorite ones on there. Dress you up too. I mean, I guess I just have fond memories of dress you up, um, because I just remember like when uh, the Virgin tour was released on VHS back in '87, I think it was, mm-hmm. and I just remember like you know having my mom rent it all the time, all the time, all the time, you know, and <laughs> and I loved, you know, I loved dress you up from that, you know, from the tour you know, that performance, and then they actually did the video to dress you up, you know, the live performance of that, so um, that's yeah. the one that stands out to me uh, a lot. It's same, like, um, I used, used to have to rent it, too. <laughs> so, yeah, for, for our listeners out there, back in the 80s, not everyone had, um, just imagine if you didn't have access to YouTube or something, and you had to, to rent 
a video every time you want to watch something from YouTube. It's it's kind of like the similar concept. Oh, yeah. Or, um, or like so. you see a video on demand. I mean, I would kill anybody when I was 10 years old to be able to see, you know, a video on demand. You know, you thought, right. oh, it's right there. <laughs> Search it, and it's there. You know, we had to wait for hours for them to play. You know, and MTV was good about it. She was in heavy rotation. You know, at oh, least yeah. you'd get at least one, if not two, down videos in an hour, you know. Um, but, yeah, I'm just sitting there with, like, you know, get ready to press record to record her videos. You know? <laughs> Always um, have that record button handy. I know, you know, and it's funny because I, I just remember like when when Vogue the video, you know, the video for Vogue came out. It was new. Um, I just remember I recorded it, so you know, and then playing it in slow motion, so I could do all the dance moves. You know, oh, like, you know. You. yeah, right. So that was innovative then. I mean, now kids nowadays, they just go on, you know, computer or their phone and they can do that. And it's just like, it exactly. takes, takes the fun out of it, in my opinion. Yeah. What I'll also point out about a video store is when I did go there, you know, they only had a certain number of copies. Mm -hmm. So if you went to a video store and you wanted to rent, you know, for example, the Virgin Tour, mm -hmm. um, they most likely only had one copy. So if yeah. someone else had rented it out, you had to wait. You wouldn't be able to. Rent it. <laughs> you had to wait for two days or five days, whatever. Yeah. Time, whatever the, you know, yeah. It's like you know, when I was living in St. Paul with my mom. I mean, literally, like every time she went to the video store, I'm like, can you get the video? And you know, so I think people were mad because I always had the video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what I wanted to point out on the album. Um, aside from the title track, mm -hmm. uh, Like a Virgin, it used to never really be my favorite track um, to listen to. But over the years, it's kind of you always find new appreciation for it. And of course, the Blonde Ambition version um, <laughs> like kind of virgin. solidified that like for me of Like a Virgin. Yeah. 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 And, and I, you know, I'd, I'd been a fan of uh, Like a Virgin. It, the title song, uh, you know, since since it came out, you know, I've always loved it. Um, but I was a kid then, so I really didn't understand the ambiguity of it all. Um, but, you know, I got the gist of it, you know. And um, so I've always been a fan of the song. But, yeah, the Blonde Ambition, uh, Like a Virgin, for me, was just um, probably, in my opinion, at least in my opinion, it's the best live performance that she's done of that song. Oh, 100%. So I always funny. give that will always uh, be number one of that performance. Um, the second best performance, I think, is from Confessions. Yes, yes, I, 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 I like the yes, I love the Confessions where she's on the the saddle, kind of like a, it's kind of like it reminds me of you know being on a carousel, you know, the yeah. carousel, but it was just her, just the, just that one pull of the saddle. That was cool. That was it was cool. Um, and but yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I was lucky enough to see Don perform, um, you know, on the Blonde Ambition tour um, in Dallas, Texas. So, um, my, you know, I and you have to remember, I was 11 years old, I think, at the time, um, and seeing, you know, the house go dark, and then you just see the bed, you know, um, and you know, and you hear the Middle Eastern music going and. Like, what the heck? Like, because we didn't have YouTube guys back then. We couldn't Google and, and watch the performance before we saw the show. You just went and, you know, you got the, the experience, the surprise factor. Um, and, and so, yeah, it was, yeah, I just remember, 
the lights going down and then they just the bed was illuminated you know and and there she was and my fondest memory i think is like even to this day i could vividly see like the the velvet you know comforter you know and and i just remember being so like like crimson red you know it was just like yeah. deep, it was a deep red just gorgeous um but yeah so imagine being 11 years old you know and seeing obviously we all know you know what happens but just seeing that you know for the first time and not just that but like you know i was going through a period in my life where i just discovered my sexuality you know um mm. and so i think that for me really opened my eyes as far as you know hey you know there's something else going on here uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> why am i having these feelings <clears throat> no, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> but you know honestly i just feel like to me that was the closest thing to sex to madonna that i was ever going to get so that's probably why i enjoyed it so much um, you know, even as an 11 year old, I think that I kind of had the general idea of what was going on. So, but I yeah. just love how, I just love how, uh, Lewis and Jose, you know, um, how, what their part was in it. Like they were like these specters in the background, you know? Um, and, and it just kind of, I don't know. It just, it was well it's put just together. Amazing. It was an it's amazing iconic. performance. Oh my God. It's yeah. iconic. It's oh my unlike God. anything we'd seen before. And when she put um, her hand in her crotch in the crowd, just you, you put, it was deafening. I mean, the people just screamed. You know, yeah. it was shocking. It was like it was more shocking than what she did on you know, the VMAs. You know, in September of '84 when she debuted the song. You know. Um, well, let's go back to that. Let's let's go to that performance um, because that was the first time anyone had actually heard the song right mm-hmm. because i think yep she performed it just to kind of say like this is it, yeah. what my new song is yeah she performed it before the single was released because the single i believe was released in october like on halloween mm-hmm. i think the single was released on halloween of 84 um so and so yeah a month prior to that she uh debuts it at the uh mtv vmas on september 14th of 84 so yeah, and, and you know, and I know you and I talked about I talked to you about my first experience. I mean, I saw it live on TV, you know, when it happened. And I just remember <laughs> I just remember sitting there and I, I guess my jaw must have dropped because my mom's like, You better pick up you know, you better pick that up before somebody sits on it, basically. You know, <laughs> that's literally what she said to me. <laughs> so it was it was yeah. I mean you know, and I was I was a kid. You know, I mean, you and I were kids. We're the same age. So yeah. I mean, had you seen it when it debuted at live? Uh, that night? no. So I lived in a household where my mom had forbid us to like listen to that type of stuff. Mm. So um, I had a sister. I have a sister who's um like three three and a half years older than me mm-hmm. um who was all into madonna oh, okay. um at the time and i remember when like a virgin came out my mom was like you cannot listen to that song and i better not hear you quote any lyrics or sing that song ever yeah, yeah. um and i remember um me and my sisters had 
rooms that were beside each other and I used to just like sneak in there at night and just hang out with them and, and go mm-hmm. to sleep and my sister would have the radio on and I remember it came on the radio mm-hmm. and she started singing to it and I was like oh you're gonna be in trouble <laughs> and she's like please don't say anything and don't say anything and I didn't <laughs> um I was like a, a Madonna bonding moment with my oldest okay, sister, sister. Um, <laughs> at the time it was a a premonition of what was to come right, when I right. became like a huge fan. Yeah, I mean, um, I but I I never saw that performance live. when it originally aired. I don't think I saw it till probably um, five years later. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was fortunate enough that I had a mother that was, you know, she was into pop music too. So she was like into what was you know top forty, you know. Mm-hmm. Billboard 100. We always listen to KWB out of St. Paul, Minneapolis. So that was like the top 40 station. Um, so she was always, you know, she was into that. So, you know, I wasn't, thank God I wasn't forbidden to, you know, to uh, <laughs> listen to to that. But that was the first time anybody saw it or heard it. So I just remember watching it and, and you know, um, so wow, she's in a wedding dress. And she's in a wedding dress, you know, and and then. Everything was good until she, you know, and she started rolling around on the floor, <laughs> dry humping yeah, her veil. And, and she dry humped her veil. Freddie told her right? her career yeah. was over. Yeah, Freddie's like, "Oh, that's it. I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "You just, <laughs> you just ruined your career." Right. Well, you know, and, and what I don't, did he know? I think that I don't know. I mean, you know, and and I I've seen interviews and I've I've read. I've read where she'd said, well, you know, I intentionally, or she said, you know, I accidentally lost my shoe, you know, and that's why I did what I did, you know, but I don't think so. Cause like when I watch it, no. when I watch it and I watch it a lot now too uh-huh. on YouTube, she intentionally kicked off her shoes. She kicked off her shoes, right? Yeah. But yeah. well, see, it's part of her mythos. I understand she's got an apology, you know, we all know that there's, you know, there's a little gray area there, but yeah, she intentionally kicked off those shoes. And I think yeah. she may have done that so that she could come down the cake without tripping, because you right. know, she puts in heels. That's just she puts them. She puts them back on, and I think she does put them back on. But she gets off. Yeah, perhaps so, that's what she was maybe yeah, referring I think to. She was trying to like slyly put her shoes back on without looking like, maybe. oh, I'm at the bottom no, of the, I meant, the cake. Well, now she's like, oh, I, I meant to. You know, I wanted to make it look like I meant to do that. I'm like, you didn't actually yeah. So yeah, I mean, she comes <laughs> off of the cake and then, you know, starts twirling around and, and everything. And then I think, I think where it became an issue for a lot of people is when she started humping her veil and <laughs> exposing her. Her garter um, straps. <laughs> her garter belts. Yes. And that was the yeah. first time I'd ever seen anybody in garter belts. And to this day, I'm obsessed with them. Well, thank you, Madonna. Thanks, Madonna. Love you. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, and she... Remember, um, if you remember when she was uh, the artist of the decade, I think when she got that award around that time, she was talking about how like the cameraman was sticking his camera up her dress. And... Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she goes, I didn't know my underwear was showing. Right. No, no you knew. Okay. She's just being coy. You're wearing <laughs> all you're wearing is underwear. I know. <laughs> I know. It's like, come on now. You know darn well what you're doing. And that's the thing. She's always in control. When she ever, when she always says, "I didn't know," I don't buy it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because this, to me, this era and this album, from what I 
kind of my perception is is this was kind of like the introduction of her her commercialism or her being able to brand herself um you know coming up with the theme with the wedding dress mm-hmm. of around like a virgin mm-hmm. and then doing the whole Maryland thing with the material girl video yeah um, I think this is this is really the the era where she already established herself now she's using her establishment to to promote herself exactly yeah and she's one of the best self-promoters i mean she didn't have a choice like we were talking about earlier she didn't really have a choice they didn't put anything into promoting her hardly and then came the madonna wannabes oh yeah everyone was dressing everybody yes um and it's funny because like i don't know about you but when i was in school at the time and all my friends wanted to be madonna you know they wanted the yep. the crop tops and the rags in the yep. hair, the tights in the hair, and the lacy gloves. And me, I just wanted to be with Madonna. I didn't want to be Madonna, <laughs> you know. And you know, that's that's just how it was. And I tell everybody that, and they laugh. But it's true, you know. Yeah, I was a little yeah. kid, and yeah, I probably shouldn't have been thinking those things, but I was thinking those things, you know. And yeah, so that that's me. I I wanted to be your girlfriend. Yeah. I didn't want to be her girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my um my sister and her friends were were all about madonna always wanted to try to look like her oh yeah it like was her. yeah it was they even didn't they have like a madonna store or something or something madonna like land in macy's yeah. oh macy's was, i guess it was kind of like a, a pop-up um section in yeah. the store yeah where you could actually um, buy stuff that was yeah. i guess it was what uh mary paul stuff I think, I think there may have been some uh, some Maripol designs in there, but there was also um, boy toy clothing. Mm-hmm. So official stuff. O- official items yeah. like T-shirts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Which the T-shirts. I'm kind of jealous of because I remember, again, I didn't start getting into Madonna until around so 89, 90. So when I would see these reports being re-shown, that there was a Madonna land, and I'm like, does that still exist? I want to go. I want to go to the movies <laughs> in New York and see if Madonna land's still there. Right? Yeah. No. And you know, and I don't. I don't remember going to the mall. Whole. I remember my mom had that that black, you know, like the 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 black lacy crop top that she wore in Lucky Star, the one that Erica Bell made for her. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. My mom had one like that, and I thought that was cool, but I never wanted to dress like that. You know, just you know. I thought she was cool. I loved her. I was in love with her. And that was that, you know? Um, but yeah, I had my friends, my aunts, my mom, they would all dress like that. It was, it was a big fashion statement back in those days. Yeah. Um, you were, you were like totally cool if you looked like Madonna because everybody would look at you. I mean, you would, I mean, obviously somebody likes that walk down the street and you're like, who's that girl? You know? So. Who's that girl? Who's that girl? And then I think that's part of why she did that too. Um, but that's a whole different topic. But I think when she said, yeah. who's that girl? She saw a picture of her and was like, who's that girl? That's not me. You know, this is me. So the image is, is a big thing, you know, obviously. And not just for actors and anybody that's a public figure. Your image is, is what defines you in, in public eye. So it's something that has to be meticulously crafted. And she does it like no one else I've ever seen. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I want to talk about uh, part of what the promotion of this album. Oh, um, is she only had two videos 
that she kind of um, created slash, you know, like acted in mm-hmm. um, two videos were like produced for this album for like a virgin and material girl mm-hmm. and dress you up, got a video treatment, but it just right. used concert footage. Yep. Um, and I think there was maybe like a, a compilation video for used Angel? for angel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um, pretty much it. Because there was there's something else happening during this time, and I'm I'm not sure. I I'm always a little unaware of the timeline, even when I go back and look at the Wikipedia and, okay. and look at kind of like the timeline of things. But mm-hmm. during this time when this album came out, there was some overlap with other releases. So Into the Groove, Crazy for You, and Gambler, because mm-hmm. she was in Vision Quest and Desperately Seeking Susan. Yeah. Um, some singles got put out in between singles from the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of like a two was for. Kind of interesting. It was. It was kind of a two for. And I think what it was is that Wonders was just trying to capitalize on, you yeah. know, on on the Virgin's success, um, as it were. So like, oh well, you're in these movies. Let's just capitalize on this. And I think the didn't the. Um, both of the singles off of Vision Quest that, that wasn't released on Warner's. That was released through what? Um, uh, Geffen. Geffen, yeah. Yep. So those were released on Geffen. So that made them a little money. So yeah, they all try to capitalize on it. Um, yeah, because it went from, it went Like a Virgin, Material Girl, mm-hmm. then Crazy For You was released, yep. then Angel was released, mm-hmm. then Into the Groove was released, mm-hmm. um, and then I believe Dress You Up was released. And then Gambler was released. So it was this weaving of these mm-hmm. kind of songs from the movies. And I, I do kind of find it odd. I, I guess it was more of the capital capitalizing on kind of her success, but mm-hmm. the way they kind of just put Gambler out as a, as a single, which um, sort of seems odd to me. But again, that was also on Geffen Records. That, not was, on. that was probably not even something that she really had a lot to do with. Yeah. I mean, she did write the song, but as far as putting it out, it's put out on, you know, on Geffen Records and, and they put the money into, you know, they, they financed the, the promotion for that. So they were just basically capitalizing on uh, what was happening. You know, hey, yeah. she's going to be huge. Let's make our money now. You know, um, like I said, it's <laughs> and all Gambler was the last song that was solely written by her. This song has been out for so long, okay, that, you know, I was actually looking at the actual lyrics the other day and I'm like trying to figure out what <laughs> you know because you know how like when you go on in certain lyrics I'm like is this the real lyrics because you know sometimes like they'll put another word in there that sounds like the word that's used in the song and yeah so you I'm make up your own lyrics essentially yeah, and I'm listening to this song and I'm like what am I getting out of this song? Yeah, it was, it was it was quite interesting and the other day I was just listening to the song I'm like I'm gonna look up the words I like it. I like it. I like the song, to be honest with you. Um, I love Gambler. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I think I've only seen Vision Quest once, you know. Uh, and obviously, just because she was in it, I think we rented it on video like a millennia ago. Um, and, and But I like the song. I think I like it almost as much as I like Crazy for You. It's and what she did in one take. I cannot believe that she did that in one take. I mean, I can and I can't, you know. She did um, that song Gambler? in one take. No, uh, crazy for you. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, that's what I read somewhere. So somebody, somebody knows out there. 
Um, but yeah, I think that was, she did that in one take. And I'm just like bowled over by that. Because I do know that, that in the movie, it's a different version. So yeah. Yeah, I different. don't know if she's bef- really performing it live or they're just using mm-hmm. um, like a demo, a different demo yeah. of it. Yeah, but, um, kind of like what they did in, in Desperate Sequence Susan, they used a demo. Right. Uh, into the group, which, you know, in all honesty, I think sounds better, but that's just me. Yeah. yeah. As a Madonna nerd, I'm just, you know, that's just, to me, I think it's just better, you know. But I think this was a very important and significant era for her. Um, it was. It was because, because it like kind we of solidified her success. Exactly. Exactly. Everybody stood up and took notice. You know, that's the thing. You know, people, she wasn't like other girls. And that's what attracts me to her. She's not like other girls. She's not, how do you describe it? She's not like, you know, um, she's more aggressive. She, she's almost like a man in some way. Uh, she's a capitalist. She She's a capitalist herself. She's She capitalizes on opportunity. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she knows she knows the um, risk is worth the reward. Oh, yeah. No risk, no glory. Definitely. Yeah. It's all and, about survival. You know, and yeah, we exactly. We all know. We all know that that's her model. I mean, if she she had the brass balls to the New York. Yeah. She's an unapologetic bitch. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I can't I can't say enough how how much she inspires me and inspires everybody out there to to live you know, to live their dream and to, right. she's the most relentless person I know of. So if somebody asked me one time, they're like, if you could describe me down in one word, what would you, what would that word be? And I said, relentless, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Relentless, relentless. I think she, that should be a title of a song that she writes. Right? That totally, yeah. Relentless. I don't think I've heard her use that yet. I <laughs> so let's do this let's go through the tracks on the album and then you tell me uh maybe quickly your thoughts on the song okay and it'll kind of be like a game so okay. um tell me it in maybe uh maybe one sentence okay so material girl material girl i thought her voice was too high Minnie mouse on helium <laughs> and she really did sing it that way, according to Nile. She really did sing it in that octave or whatever that range. It wasn't really my favorite, to be honest with you. It's not one of my favorite Madonna songs. I understand the the I understand the irony of it all. But and I think she said she wrote that um, after she kind of realized that she is now a success and now she has money. Or actually, she didn't write the song, right? She's, she didn't write the song, she, no. But I think she, you know, she she liked the fact that, you know, um, I can say, oh, I'm into the, all these things and everything, but yet she knows the truth about herself. And in the video, she, of course, emulates Marilyn Monroe from Gentlemen's Preferred Blondes. So it's the, the Diamonds is a Girl's Best Friend recreation performance. And that's actually where she met her husband, Sean Penn on the shoot of that video. Yeah, because I I think he and Mary Lambert are friends, so I think she kind of just mentioned, hey, you know, I'm doing this, and, you know, 
it was probably calculated on his part too. I mean, he wouldn't want to keep it down, you know? Yeah. So, and speaking of Mary Lambert, can we give uh-huh. Mary Lambert a shout out? Because she did a lot of Madonna's iconic videos. Oh, yeah. She did both the videos for Like a Virgin and Material Girl. Mm-hmm. She did Borderline. Mm-hmm. Like um, a Prayer. Like a Prayer, La Isla. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, those are those are probably that handful that Mary Lambert is involved in are probably my favorite videos of Madonna's period anyway. It's just I think they really click together as, as artists and as visionaries and creators um, when they were working on these projects. And I'm surprised she never worked with her again after Like a Prayer. I mean, that was... Yeah. <laughs> well, I think she... video was the center of so much controversy that mm-hmm. um, it gave Madonna so much attention. I'm just surprised that Madonna used her again. Or maybe Madonna thought, like, you can leave that lasting impression by just yeah. leaving it there and, and I don't think to worry about. right and I think too that, that with Madonna it's like with her work you know it's kind of like she's got this vision of where she wants to take her art if you don't fit in with that vision or you know what I mean then yeah. you get kind of left outside you know yeah and and I think that she was going towards more you know she did the like prayers and after that she started working with David Fincher you know yep. and doing Express Yourself you know, and um, Old Father, Vogue, Vogue um, and those are phenomenal videos also. I mean, the lighting in Vogue is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's get back yeah. to, let's go, we, we kind of got off track, which is fine, Sorry. because I love <laughs> going off track. I could, right. we could just sit here and talk about anything, and I'll, I You can will, just edit later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the second the second track, Angel. Thoughts. Uh-huh. Thoughts and Angel. I love Angel. Um, it's not like my most favorite song, but I love it. I mean, because, you know, she's talking about, you know, this perfect person that she's with and that she's found just made for her, you know, and, and who wouldn't like a song like that? And she and Stephen Bree, I believe, wrote that. So. Yep. Um, probably my favorite collaborators, you know, I think. She and Stephen Brave worked so well together, not only because, you know, they, they have history, obviously, you know, um, but I think that they're both, they're similar in, in, in how they, they write music and how they, they visualize their art, you know what I mean? They created magic together, for oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and, you know, and I think maybe it does help, you know, the fact that they didn't have history, they were lovers at one time, so that could be a lot to mm-hmm. do with it, too. They just know each other so well, you know, and like he, he was talking about it, and I'm sure we've all heard him talk about how they make music together, you know, he makes the majority of it, lays down the foundation, you know, the skeleton, and she comes in and refines everything, adds flesh to it, adds color to it, you know, and yeah, what a brilliant way to work. So Angel definitely is one of my, one of my top favorites on the album. Um, like a Virgin. We kind of already talked about this before, uh, yeah. but any last yeah. parting thoughts on that? Phenomenal. You, you couldn't just, I mean, as an adult now, and obviously being more experienced than when I was when I first heard it, um, it still sounds shiny and new. So, I mean, it, it's classic. It's classic. It's timeless. In the video, in the video, she looks amazing on the dancing on the gondola. Oh, yes. The video, I mean, I, 
I mean, it was Mary's idea to take this to Venice. So again, thank you, Mary. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. You know what? I never. Um, I was doing when I was doing research for this. I never got this until I read about this, and I probably sound like a complete idiot for not getting it. But the wow. beginning of the video is her in New York. And yes. she gets on this boat, which magically takes mm-hmm. her to Venice. To Venice. Yeah. I never <laughs> got that before. Even though I knew there was this city in the background and it was probably New York, I just never got that there was kind of like, almost like Venice is her dream city. Modern part. Yeah. yeah, it was like, and I think I remember hearing or reading about her talking about that part. Where she said, you know, I'm in, I'm in New York, and she's like, uh, she's like, that's me, like in modern times, you know, and then she's like, and then I, I appear in a wedding dress, and, and it's more, you know, it's more fashion, and it's more, I guess it's supposed to be like, pre- you know, yeah. in the past, you know, and then like her, you know, because in the past she was a virgin, shiny and new, you know, all dressed in white, that sort of thing. And then later on in the future, she's this experienced uh, sexual woman, you know, who's in control of her body, in control of every aspect of her life. Well, you just gave me an entire new perspective on that video that I never thought. So, yeah, because, I mean, like how you look at, like, because she's, you know, and she's all dressed up and, you know, as a bride, you know, in, in Venice, and she's taking all the curtains down and she's removing all the the you know the cloth covers from the furniture and that kind of made me wonder too i mean i'm not I'm, i wasn't raised a catholic you know but i'm kind of thinking that maybe that had to symbolize it too because like i'm latin so my grandmother was catholic and and i just remember they used to cover the statues of the saints during certain times of the you know and in the, in the, in the virgin you know and i'm oh. thinking yeah you know maybe that has something to do with it too like it's kind of a little homage to her to her upbringing you know i love that all right so track four you talked about this a little bit before um but any last thoughts on over and over you know i just i think it's a really really good song i mean it's got it's got a good beat to it it's it's positive you know and, and that's what i love about madonna a lot of her songs are positive she's she's a positive person you know even though she's yeah. experienced so much you know heartache and, and so much you know um, sorrow at such a young age she's still able to be positive and to look on the bright side of things and I think I was that's just, just the Madonna nerd in me but I think I heard um who was it the Dan Gilroy talking about how one of the first songs she ever wrote was called Over and Over so or like that he's like that's like the she would just sing that when she first started learning, learning to play guitar because he taught her like a couple chords Oh, cool. And he said she was drumming you know, over and over. I get it again, over and over. So I think that that's been something that that she'd been doing before. You know, she became yeah famous. How about love? Don't live anymore. Thoughts on that? Because I believe that is not it's a that's cover. not something that she chose to sing. Someone from the record company recommended that she sing it. It. I've never heard that. that did they recommend it or did like Nile and the Sheep guys recommend it? Because didn't Rose Royce do that originally? Yes. Um, um, it, it was either Nile or someone from the record 
company that said yeah. I want I can to see Niall suggesting that. Um, you know, I I like it. Uh, it's not one of my favorites, but I mean, I do I do like it because it was like one of the first like it's like the only ballad on the song or on the album, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think the yeah, because I think this is just the second her second album because she didn't do a ballad on the first album. She did not. I think this, this is her, her first, first ballad that you would Yeah, hear. her first ballad. So I think maybe they just suggested, hey, why don't you sing a ballad and get all the boys excited? You know, that sort of thing. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I thought it was a good cover. Um, Have you... Did you see Rebel Heart Tour? Yes, I saw her in Tulsa. Oh, and actually, now that you mention that, guys, okay, so real quick. What's really cool, really funny is the uh, unapologetic bitch uh, that got chosen that day was this guy in drag in that in that costume in that dress. Oh my god! And and it's funny because my friend Heather Chorn, I don't know if you guys out there uh, know who Heather is, but she used to have a YouTube channel called Madonna Paradise Unboxing. Um, and so she recorded. We actually met. It was before the show. We met the unapologetic bitch. I think it was before because I just thought his dress was awesome. You know, looked gorgeous. Um, and we we're talking about it, and it's funny because he was like, "There was a friend of his, and they, they didn't, they were younger, and they hadn't been Madonna fans uh, for very long." So I'm like, "Well, you know, what, what's your favorite album?" And he's like, "Oh, I like the Immaculate Collection." And you know, that's pretty giveaway that they're a new fan. You know, <laughs> and it's just you know, okay, that's fine. Like it's not a bad one to start with, though. Not a bad one. No, I mean, you know, we do have Justify My Love and Rescue Me. Yeah. Life, so not too bad, but no. It was really cool. So so at the end, of, you know, and then, yeah. So then I'm watching the show, and he gets chosen as an apologetic base. Oh, yeah, I just met that guy. And um, so then when he comes out, we're all, you know, the show's over and everything. And then um, I just remember Heather interviewing him, and he was just giggling. And, you know, I was like, what was it like being on stage with Donna? He's like, I was just in a heart attack. You know, it was really funny. So... It it, That's awesome. it it was cool. It was awesome. It was just to see, just to see uh, somebody that I just met, you know, and actually being up on stage with Madonna was really cool. But she loved it. She thought that dress was cool. So anyway, I just wanted um, to throw that in there, but because we were talking yeah, about yeah, but her. um, also during Rebel Heart is where she performed above Don't Live Here Anymore for the first time live. Yeah, you know, and I'm trying to remember. I don't, I don't remember if she did that in the set list in Tulsa. I can't remember. So, uh, in Rebel Heart Tour, she performed Love Don't Live Here Anymore as kind of like a mashup with Heartbreak City. That's what it was. Yeah, where she was, where she was up there climbing up the spiral staircase. Yes, where she falls onto that big mat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She was with them. And, but it's not on the DVD. But I think it's because of like copyright issues. Yeah, and a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with that. It's just you know. But I just remember kind of fangirling out when she started singing that song during the Rebel Heart. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my god, mm -hmm. I can't believe she's performing. Yeah. This. So yeah, but no, I thought she did a good job in the cover. Um. I guess I just appreciated the song more when I heard it on something to remember. Um, did you like the remix? And I did on like a virgin. I did. Love yeah. it. 
I, I, I liked it better during that era. Mm. When she did the, the video, video for it and everything. And, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I just saw the emotion that was supposed to be there that I didn't hear in, in the album version of Like a Virgin. So I appreciate it better uh, at that time, in, you know, in 1995, not 1984. So. Um, so what are your thoughts on Dress You Up? I thought Dress You Up was, it's one of my favorite tracks on, on, the, on the album. I love it. Start to finish. She didn't write it, but it sounds like a song she could have written. Yeah. Me. I'd probably say it's it's probably my favorite track off, off of Like a Virgin, oh, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah, the way she sings it, you know, um, the way she sings it, the, the arrangements, everything. One of the best songs on the album. All right. Um, Shooby-Doo. Shooby-Doo is good. I like Shooby-Doo. It, it, it's one of those, I don't know, some people like to throw throwaway songs, even though she says on this album there was no throwaway song. But for me, I mean, Shooby-Doo, yeah, it was sweet. It's something... It's something that she wrote, and, and I'm sure it was probably for Jelly Bean, so we'll just leave it yeah. at that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> just like we know, I know it was written about uh, Jelly Bean as well. I love this song, though. Like, I think, and I would say this probably goes for the last three songs on this album, um, where yeah. I feel like it doesn't probably get as much love as they deserve. Um, but... Yeah, I really like Shooby Doo, and I think that's considered yeah, kind of like a ballad, sort of. I mean, it's sort of like mid tempo yeah. ballad, but it's it's a really sweet song, and I I love the um it is the drumming, the drumming yeah. in it. Mhm, mm mhm. Mm yep, totally. It, it just sounds. And, and doesn't she say? I love in that part that she says, "Don't be scared." Yeah. You know, and, and just so sweet. I'm just like, yeah. Uh, I love you even more now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's sweet. She has that spoken word part. Um, so what are your thoughts on Pretender? Pretender is my least favorite on the album. I, just, I don't know. You know, it just really didn't do nothing for me. Yeah. Um, and that's probably the only, you know, Madonna, Stephen Bray song that I really like. Me. Yeah, it's definitely not one of my favorite songs, but it's... Um... I think it's still, I don't know. I don't hate it, but it's kind of repetitive. But I think it still has like a good beat to it with like with the synthesizers and everything. Like, um, I mean, I don't skip it on the album, but it's my least favorite. Right. And the last track on the album, Stay. I like Stay. And Stay is, is kind of like, you know, it's a leftover from her... You know, mm -hmm. her early career, you know, her early, her pre-first album stuff. Um, and I like it. And I, you know, I, I'm sure we've all heard the the other stay from 81 that, um, yep. you know, the early years, that was on the early years. Um, she, I kind of like that one better, but stay, it's a good song. It's, um, it's sweet. It was kind of, um, it was like a mashup of two songs, right? It was oh, Stay yeah, and yeah, yeah. Don't I, You Know. I think they added some, they, they borrowed some lyrics from from that song to, yeah. And, and she does that. And, and like, I'm I'm a poet and an artist myself. And so I, I do that. I borrow from my work, my previous work. Because it sounds good. Right. It's like, oh, I can put that here. But overall, Stay is a sweet, it's a sweet song. And I'll just ask your thoughts on 
um, the three additional tracks uh, that came out around this era. Crazy for you. Thoughts on that? Crazy for you. I mean, sometimes, believe it or not, it'll bring a tear to my eye. It's just that good. And I still can't believe that she did it in my head. I still can't. Um, phenomenal song. Yeah, it's to me, it's like a really beautiful song. I love um, I See You Through the Smoky Air. Mm -hmm. Can't you feel the wake of my stare? Mm -hmm. Like, I love that line, and I love the way that she delivers it. Yeah, and it sounds like a song she could have written, you know, easily. Um, She didn't, obviously, but it sounds like something. I mean, it really, it fits with the romantic that we all know that she is deep down underneath all that armor, you know? Um, Right. And... Yeah, I love it. And, and what's really great about it is, you know, you hear that song everywhere you go. You go to the mall, you hear it. You go to, you know, Walgreens, you hear Walgreens. it. Walgreens. Yeah. <laughs> you hear it everywhere. That that song is going to probably pay her bills forever. So, yeah. Not yeah. that she needs it, but, you know, I mean, that's one of those things where it, it's a, what did Nikki Harris say on that one podcast? It's milk money, you know, or it's mail money, mailbox money. Oh, mailbox money. You know, yep. Mailbox money. And it's true. It's just one I of started using that a lot more recently. <laughs> Open your mailbox. Hey, I got a royalty check. Awesome. Speaking of songs that Madonna did write, Gambler, thoughts on that one? Oh, like I was telling you earlier, I love Gambler. I mean, yep. And I was just listening to the lyrics the other day. I was telling you that. And I'm like, you know, this is a really... I mean, what I don't know what your take is of the song, but my take on it when I when I listen to the lyrics of the song, I'm thinking, you know, she's got more than one boyfriend out there. That's what that is, you know. That's basically what that is. That saying, you know, yeah, I'm with you. I'll take a chance on you, but you can't hold me down. I'm gonna do what I want to do. If I want to see this other guy, I'm gonna see this other guy. So I like it. Yeah, it's definitely I love this song. <laughs> um, I guess when I kind of hear it, I think of more of her rivalry with other artists in the music industry Mm. kind of Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna do what i want you're not gonna stop me and Mm -hmm. i'm gonna continue to be successful oh yeah and and a lot of the songs that she does most of the songs she writes even are very ambiguous they have a lot more Mm -hmm. than one you know and and you're left to your own interpretation and that's what's great about art in itself is that an artist has a vision of what they're doing but then at the same time the audience has their own interpretation, you know, and it's not going to be the same as the person next to them, but it's still going to be relevant. And that's what, that's the best thing about art. So you can, I can say it any better myself. You can yeah. get people's gears going, you know, and, and what I love about her, she likes to be that art. She likes to be, you know, that piece, that art piece, you know, that people are looking at making their own interpretation on. So, and to round it all out, Into the Groove. Into the Groove, my favorite Madonna song of all time. And I still recall the first moment where I was when I heard it. I heard it on the radio. I was sitting in my mom's uh, best friend's station wagon, and it came on the radio. And since that day, it's just been my favorite track. It um, it just gets you dancing. It gets you moving. You know, it gets your blood flowing. Yeah. You know? and, and I can't think of anything... I can think of anything better than that. I mean, that to me is the ultimate Madonna song. It's quintessential um, Madonna. Like, that's. Oh, yeah. It is. And she wrote it in what, 10 minutes or something yeah. like that? She was saying, like, you know, in one of her walk ups that she lived in or something. Yeah. I mean, that's Bray. Cool. Bray that yeah, song. it was Stephen Bray. 
Yeah, and and I like how Erica Bell said you know that part when she says live out your fantasy here with me. Erica Bell said she just came up with that like on the spot because Stephen Bray was kind of having trouble with like making mm-hmm. what he came up with fit, and she was at the mic and that just that whole sentence that whole part just came out of her. I mean, the creativity, you know, unbelievable. Such a talent. Oh yeah. Well, I think we have come to an end of talking about um, the Like a Virgin album. Any last words on Like a Virgin? Timeless, iconic. This really was. This really was the record that cemented her in the eyes of the record industry, in the eyes of the world. She took. She didn't play it safe, you know, she took the road less traveled and she did something, you know, that she's now famous for. She became a star with this album. Like this album is solidified her stardom for sure. It was the right time, the right place, the right woman. Everything just came together with this record. Well, River, thank you so much for spending this time with me and, and talking to me about Like a Virgin. Um, I'm so glad to be able to talk to like different fans and we can just geek out and and talk about all things totally. Madonna. I could sit there and talk for hours and hours upon hours. I know, right? I mean, we can keep going all day. <laughs> <Go on. laughs> but no, yeah. I think thank you for your opportunity, Wayne. Thanks for having me. I wish you luck in your project. I'm here if you need me. If you have any questions or you need any advice, I'm more than happy to, you know, to to talk to you about things and I look forward to getting to hear other fans and, and their take on different you know albums different eras of the queen and yeah just you know totally I mean I love geeking out with you it's been a pleasure well thank you so much and I will open this up to anybody that's listening um, I'm always looking for new fans to talk about any of Madonna's projects um, and so please feel free to reach out to me. You know, it's really a great opportunity, you know, for for fans to get together, no pun intended, um, <laughs> and, and just, you know, and just geek out. And, you know, because everybody's got their own take on, on who she is and what her art is. Right. So keep doing what you're doing, man, and just stick with it. No risk, no glory. Just do it. Be relentless like the queen. Okay? <laughs> Thanks again. You're welcome. Thank you. Good night. Good night.